trying out something new today. We're using Google Wave as opposed to Google Docs. We're riding the wave. Riding the wave. Before it rides us. And you know that you're a little geeky when you decide to go with something that is an early beta because it might be more stable than the current mm-hmm. <laughs> current um, options that you have. So we thought we'd give it a try and we will. I should say that I'm Troy Patterson and with me is, as always, is the... Oh. Lovely, beautiful, and talented. <laughs> he who has a face for radio, Sean McGurr. Good to be with you. <laughs> um, and um, let's know the, the little scroll bar is in a different spot here. Yes, that's another feature of Google. It's another feature. Yes. Feature. Hey, hey, Sean, you know how you're a real teacher? <laughs> oh yes, yes. For all my there potential was, employers out there, yes, I am. There was, I am a real teacher. There was no segue there whatsoever. Was there? What are you telling me? Something my superintendent's going to tell me next week? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. But, and I really probably should have done a better segue on this one. But, um, today we're we're going over real teachers. You know, you're a real teacher's teacher when. You cheer when April 1st does not fall on a school day. Yes, I am one of those. <laughs> does it fall on a school day this year or no? I haven't looked here. Let me get my eye out. Okay. Um, when you clutch a pencil when thinking. Uh-oh. Can't think of it. It's on, it's on like a Monday, isn't it? It's a Thursday. A Thursday. It's a Thursday. You know what this means. Next year it'll be on a Friday. Does right it go, before, does right it go forward or backwards? Yeah, um, it goes through the week. So ne- next year it'll be... Um, next year it will be... Next next year it will be... I'll get this right. Yeah, Yes, I've been in this business as an amateur now for almost 100 episodes. <laughs> okay, what... <laughs> Microphone <I> placement <laughs> is everything sometimes in this business. <laughs> yeah. I guess what we should explain is um, Sean was sounding a little breathy there. We were getting a lot of um, breath feedback. So I was trying to have Sean raise his microphone just a little bit. Yes, I'm trying to raise the bar on my microphone expertise. And and Sean needs to have his microphone in just the right spot in order for us to hear him. (laughs) All right, then. Um, Let's try this. Hey. Yeah, sometimes I sound like I'm across the room. That's my microphone. And sometimes I sound like I'm not even in the conversation, and that's my microphone. <laughs> and sometimes I'm way too into the conversation, and that's my microphone. So, um, yeah, I, this is like my second. This is my third headset that I've tried. My first headset I've, I've worn out. Literally, I busted a piece off of it, and it was a beautiful microphone and, and headset. And and I found out that um, Logitech doesn't make it anymore. So I can't get it, a replacement for that. So I'm trying out these other ones. And actually, not only trying, I'm just, it's more like trial and error. <laughs> yeah, because we're getting, we, we go from getting breath sounds, we're getting every time you breathe it too. Hmm. Hmm. 
And that April 1st is still on a Thursday, which is close enough to a Friday, which means next year it's on a Friday, which means it's right before a weekend, which they're going to try extra stuff. Yeah. Because they know they've, you've got two days to forget. Yeah. Yeah. So Does it go forward or backward today? Um, forward or go backward today? Like, today? like next year, is it going to be Friday or Wednesday? No, next year should be Friday. Okay. And then after that, then you got two year, a two year break. You got a two year reprieve. Yes, and then you start all seven years. Unless <laughs> bad luck again. Unless, um, but you, when's leap year? Because that throws things off. <laughs> uh, uh, well, actually, 2010 is a leap year because it's an Olympic year. So, okay. all right, you might end up with three years of uh, of April. I don't know. I don't know which way that goes. Okay, so we're Real? looking for all you mathematicians out there listening. Let Tell us know how this works. Yeah, <laughs> we have to plan accordingly. Not to mention, in fact, it's November and we're planning for April. That's right. Um, real teachers never teach the conjugations of lie and lay to eighth graders. <laughs> you just know better than that. Uh, real teachers can't walk past a group of students without straightening up the line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, real teachers have disjointed necks from constantly looking around 180 degrees. Used to be writing, you know, from writing on the board and then whipping around and, you know, watching the class while you were writing on the board. But now that we're moving more and more to Promethean boards and other electronic items, it's... Which which the high school doesn't have. Yes. I will get for two weeks. This is... We do have, so... Um, can eat lunch in under three minutes, uh, on a regular basis, uh, -huh. uh can predict exactly which parents will show up at conferences, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. know the shortest route to the office, the bathroom, all of them, and caffeine. And finally, oh. real teachers know that secretaries and custodians run the school. Amen. Amen. That's so true. Even if the rest of it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, okay. Um, right. Let's see here. Um, we've got some... Uh, <laughs> the other thing about collaborating in real time is, is when somebody changes lots of stuff while you're <laughs> expecting them not to. This is this is very interesting doing our Google Wave experiment. Yes, it is. Yeah, because in, in Google Docs, things are delayed over a period of time, and you have to wait for a screen refresh to see any changes. Mm -hmm. This is so very real time. It's, it's, uh, it is kind of interesting. It is an advantage, yeah. though. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So... Well, it's in, it depends on your, 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 your <laughs> So, of course, this goes back to the whole concept. Years ago, we talked about, you know, there should be something like a, typing should be a competitive sport, and this is the way to do it. You know, who can who can type and delete faster? Than, <laughs> can you know? highlight the other person's work. Right, yeah. <laughs> and delete away faster than you can. Uh, and there's supposed to be a way to get that back, but. Oh, can you imagine one person hitting uh, Apple Z, the undo, 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 as fast <laughs> as they can? Well, I think there's a little timeline on There's supposed to be like a little timeline thing on top. That's true. Which I don't see, but... Somewhere, but we're new to this whole whole thing. Yep. You know what? I, I would hold your tech for ransom, your text for ransom. That would be wonderful, especially if it was a Twitter 
post. Say. Say. It's you. (laughs) No, it's you, and that's actually a repeat from Oh, it's a repeat. (laughs) Okay, first of all, it's me. (laughs) Um, I don't even know how to pronounce this one. My turn. This is, wow, looking at free technology for teachers, 30-plus alternatives to YouTube. Great list. And it is actually a great list. Um, Just to run through real quick, these are alternatives to to YouTube, which includes TeachersTube, Teachers.TV, iTunes U, Viddler, HowStuffWorks, History Channel, Discovery Channel, Vimeo, BlipTV, .sub, um, Reuters video RSS feed, CNN student news, Hulu, um, kids know it network, the futures channel, science tube and math, a tube, um, Ted, big thinker, snag films, Google video, Nibipedia. I don't know that one. Untamed science for, uh, dot TV, IQ, uh, current TV, school tube, next Vista, light bulbs, global news, seeing service, academic earth, edublogs.tv, one minute wonders from the BBC, which are amazing things that happen in one minute. I got to go look at that one, by the way. Uh, and PBS. So there's a quick run through most of them, I think. But cool. certainly some interesting things, and not all those are blocked. So some. Good resources. If you're looking for video resources, you can check that out. Uh, probably some of those are not going to be blocked from your district. Some right. probably are, but mm-hmm. with 30, there, you stand a good chance of having at least one or two that are blocked. Yeah, and there's yeah. different different points for different ones of them. And I don't even think they man, they mentioned um, watch no, which we um, right, which we uh, and there are there are some uh, comments at the end. It's a blog post. So there are comments at the end, um, and they've got some additional choices there. So good, good, good one to check out. Have you ever dumped? You know, well, there's 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 an article on, on, online this week about how Apple is uh, voiding the warranty of anybody who has a computer or iPod, I suppose, or iPhone with smoke damage. Because I guess there's a little sensor in there that senses things. It mm-hmm. also senses things like water damage. What if you were to drop your 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 iPod or your iPhone into a the swimming pool at work? Well, I'm going to tell you. Um, I had a problem with my daughter's other cell phone. This is not just the iPhone. And the mm-hmm. very first thing that they did was Check they checked sensor. to see it's it's called an LSI. I think it's liquid an LSI. sensor international indicator. Indicator works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first thing that they will do is check the LSI. They will check to see if that little white circle has gone pink. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't mean you're pregnant, but it means that you got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and every piece of technology, all the cell phones will have them. So. So I wonder how you could fix something like that. I have no idea. Really? Because Kevin G has posted a, a tweet about how to fix a, a quickly fix a phone or an MP3 player with water damage. Does it involve cat litter? I'm going to I'm going to guess it involves kitty litter. The kind that is the the gel crystals instead of the, or bags of rice. I've heard are yeah. both really good. Then those I was catching up on some of my other podcasts that I listened to, and uh, Andy Anako was talking about how he's done a whole series on this. 
and the the kitty litter with the the gel crystals. It's pure gel crystals. Silica gel is the mm-hmm. is the best, I guess. So. So anyway, it's Kevin G posting that on the Twitterverse. I thought that was yours, actually. <laughs> no, it was yours. <laughs> you a, lead, a, a lead in. Uh, the rest, of them, I think, are mine. Or some of them are mine. No, K. Jarrett, I think, is is yours. But uh, Uncle R, uh, empowering principal leadership behaviors. Uh, he says he shared that with his principal and hoped that his principal isn't mad. Uh, post a link to that there. So if you're looking for some principal leadership behaviors, of course that may be. I don't know. With, with we're up in the air as far as. Our state, as far as uh, teachers and principals and that sort of thing, so it may just we'll have to wait and see where everything lands before passing off advice and structural and procedure and that sort of thing for putting things in place. These are some interesting times. Yes. Uh, here's an interesting one: an educator guide for integrating uh, social media, and I put that in my. Here's another reason why I don't like Google Wave. Yeah, the by the way, uh, you know we are using Google Wave this time, and it doesn't handle links as well as Google Docs does. Yeah. So, um, Emergent by Design is the website. Uh, Eighty-five plus resources, educator guide for integrating social media. Really nice list. Um, it's a post strictly dealing with uh, things you can use to integrate social media in your teaching, but also in your professional learning network. I hope this post, I'm quoting here, I hope this post to be a handy reference guide, especially for those teachers new to social media technologies and how to integrate them into the classroom. This resource is by no means exhaustive, but is a good starting point for finding information and people that will help you, maintain, uh, help you make the transition into a, quote, 21st century learning environment, unquote. I intend this to be a wiki post. I will update resources as they're shared with me by others. So feel free to bookmark the page and check in periodically for new material. Enjoy. And he's... he's there, he or she's put uh, quite a list in here. Um, there is quite a list. This is, it's a she. Uh, Vanessa. Uh, Memes. M-I-E-M-I-S. Memes. Memes. I'm going to go that route. Uh, building 21st century skills. There's some really cool uh, videos explaining the social media revolution, some of which uh, you may have seen before, like the Did You Know? Um, Socialnomics, the social media revolution. What happens in Vegas stays on Bebo which is a video sharing site. Uh, the machine is us or using us uh, vision of students today. And it's one where a uh, teacher is actually uh, taking some different facts about uh, social media and technology and have the kids holding, just holding signs talking about um, how technology is integrated into their lives already. Uh, frameworks and tools. There's a really neat graphic about different social media tools and how it fits into things like pictures, bookmarks, reputation, crowdsourced content, blog platforms, blogs and conversations, blogging communities, uh, micromedia, live streams, things that are specific to Twitter, which is actually one of the thicker um, threads, I think. SMS, voice, video, video aggregation, documents, all these things. Web 2.0 productivity tools, uh, blogs to follow. Uh, we'll have to talk to this person about getting on the, uh, on the well, you, should, you know what, they should have a podcast to follow section. Uh, social networks for educators, classroom 2.0, one we've talked about before is in here. Um, I really should put middle talk as a social network. But anyway, um, organizations and resources. And and then for the links, things like Howard Rheingold, Susan Morgan, Steve Anderson, Milton Ramirez's bookmarks, and new, new media literacies bookmarks, which is a cool place to go explore. Just take time. If you head to any place or check any of these links on this page out, check that one out. And just spend time when they're fooling around. Um, people to follow on Twitter, if you're looking for 
folks to build a PLN with. You can take a lot of these folks right here that are on this on Twitter section and follow them and then follow the ones that they follow. People like Todd Williamson, uh, R.M. Byrne, uh, Hard Rheingold, R.M. Byrne, Richard Byrne, um, Joel Hefner, um, Sean Kimball, Greg Thompson, Carl Young, um, Steve Harkin on this list. Uh, I know I saw Jennifer Dorman on here. And there's there's several others that aren't on here, but the, you know you would get to them from from this list. So, this is a great way to if you're looking for starting a, a PLN, this would be a great way to do it. If you're trying to talk tech into letting you do some social networking things with your kids, this would be a great resource to pull on and say, look, here's here's something that we could do here. Here's here's what others are doing, uh, especially if they're you know scared of that sort of thing. So, um, let's see, what else do we have? Um, More cell phones in class lessons. Are teachers using cell phones in class lessons now? Well, uh, I, ironically <laughs> enough, the door is opening in my district for, for that sort of thing. On December 2nd, there's going to be a city council meeting. And we expect at that city council meeting that my 8th graders will have persuaded city council to change the city ordinance, which currently, the way it's written, uh, all teenagers or anybody under the age of 18 can only have a cell phone in their possession legally if they have a parent note and the original receipt. Both of which are very unlikely. Both of which are very, yeah. Yeah, and having all three of those items in one location at one time <laughs> by a teenager. Okay, so the, it's, things are definitely stacked in the cops' uh, cops' favor. This Well, the ordinance was, what, 25 years old, and so they're looking at revisiting it and changing it because obviously a lot of things change about cell phones. Some of the kids wrote some PSAs trying to say, hey, look, here's why teens need cell phones, and city council was very for it. Um, they're going to – they had the first reading uh, during conferences, our conferences, mm-hmm. and um, it should be next week, Tuesday, I think, um, the second, Wednesday, next week, so Wednesday, the second that uh, we should see a second reading, and then they'll vote on it right immediately, and that should change the ordinance so that teens can carry cell phones legally in the city of Melvindale, which then opens it up to, hey, now we can start using them in classrooms. <laughs> hey, administration's going to love me. It's a little bit of a leap there. Yeah, yeah. Um, wear a parachute. Uh, let's see here. Uh, NVIDIA has created a, something called the Tegra Tablet prototype. It's hands-on. It's... They think of a Zune because it runs everything a Zune does. It's just now on a eight and a half by eleven screen. So if if they can take and turn a Zune into a tablet, you know Apple's got one in the works where they can take one and turn it into a tablet and probably does your laundry too. Well, it's been a, a rumor for a long time with uh, Apple that they have the tablet or the slate, and, mm-hmm. and the rumor was that it was October of this year, and then. Yeah. Some Steve didn't like something about it, so now it's in the middle. It's been pushed to the middle or late next year or something like that. It's almost the same with the iPhone. It came out, news about it came out two years before it actually showed up on the market. Um, imagine what you could do with your students with this if all their books were on a tablet. Obviously, there they're was, holding a very expensive piece of equipment in their hands, but if they can, that's they don't have to carry five books around or ten books around. They're only carrying... Yeah, tablet around. Now, Leo Laporte, who who kind of irritates me when it comes to things on education, yeah. um, 
because I don't think that he – I think he gets the te- – I think he clearly gets the technology stuff and obviously he gets the business stuff because <laughs> he's doing all right. But as when it comes to the education stuff, I, I will agree that there's changes coming. I will agree that there's things that need to change. But I frequently disagree with what it is that he's saying we need to do and how it is we need to do it because I think he's coming from a different place. And he's, he's talking about how he's on the board of his kid's school, which right there skews – because I, I think it's a private school as well and skews kind of your demographic and what you can do and can't do. But he was talking about there's a school in Canada – that is going to uh, book readers instead of books. They've mm-hmm. they've they've um, teamed up with Pearson, <clears throat> and the issue becomes is the book readers though are black and white, so you lose all kinds of color. Uh, they're going Kindle, to Sony Reader. Um, well, from from what I understand, they're the they're black and white. The whatever it is they're looking at. Huh. And uh, I could be wrong. It could be a Sony reader, but you think even the Sony readers are black and white, aren't they? I thought they were color. Okay. But, well, but you I look. could be very wrong on that. I'll, I'll look while you talk. And so um, the issue becomes is how important color is and the concept of does it just make more sense to have a netbook kind of device rather than a um, book ebook reader? And um, I think the slate or the tablet thing would kind of solve that problem because it would be the best of both worlds. You would get the larger screen size and the flatness of dealing with um, text or, or pages and still have the power of, the, of a netbook kind of thing. Now, the next thing comes into play is going to be power, is can you leave these things on all day and use them all day and not have a kid go, oh, Mr. McGurr, I need to plug in, my battery's dead. And that's fine if it's one kid, it's another thing if it's 35 of them. Um, so, there, you know, there are some things I think that we're, we're going to, but the, the big thing here for me is teachers need to be prepared for this. And I don't know how many teachers are really, really prepared for a switch in um, teaching and learning and tools. Because a lot of them will say that they're ready for it, but it means a, it means a difference in how you approach things. Which I'll get to in a little bit, too, by the way. It's black and white. I told you. The color comes in with the uh, the case. Yeah, it doesn't do any good with charts and graphs. No, absolutely nothing. Okay, this is from Kay Jarrett, um, who spent the last hour or so exploring at Diana Cross's um, incredible tech integration wiki. um, Which can be found over at... um, And this is like a... This is like a school district or somebody's, um, um, but they have an e-toolbox, which is kind of interesting. The Wissahickon School District's e-toolbox. And it's interesting because they only give you a shortened URL. It's an Owly, Mm -hmm. which I found interesting. And then 
um, it leads to wiki spaces. So this is not, I'm going to guess this is a smaller district, but they have some really interesting stuff there that I think you could spend some time with. One of the things I went to was the um, choosing the right tools. And they have, I want my students to, or I want to, or I want my students to. And then the next um, column in the chart is we can use. So if you want your students to write, you can use Microsoft Office, boo, hiss, this boo, pages, blogs, wikis, Google Docs, Comic Life, Inspiration, Ning, dot, 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 dot. Um, create. Comic Life, VoiceThread, iMovie, GarageBand, Keynote, PowerPoint, Pixie, Digital. So there's lots of stuff there, and I think it's a, a neat way to look at it and to give people a sense of where to go. So I thought that was interesting hmm. uh, as well. Um, and um, apparently Sean doesn't think it's so interesting because he's yawning. Yeah. Um, Dan, Dan Pink posted an article on... Uh on yawning of all things from the Penn Gazette. Yawn, it's one of the best things you can do for your brain. And and we talked I don't we we didn't talk about Dan Pink's keynote at NMSA, did we? I don't believe we did. No. Anyway, um, Dan Pink is doing a lot of talks about the brain. We posted a link to his uh, TED talk on the brain and now he's got a little article here about yawn. It's one of the best things you can do for your brain. Um uh, which ironic, he's retweeting it. This is not, uh, this is by Andrew Newberg. Dan Pink is just retweeting it. Aha. 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 Um, go ahead. Laugh if you want. Well, you're, though you'll benefit your brain even more if you smile. But in my professional opinion, yawning is one of the best kept secrets in neuroscience. Even my colleagues who are researching meditation, relaxation, and stress reduction at other universities have overlooked this powerful neural enhancing tool. However, yawning has been used for decades in voice therapy as an effective means for reducing performance anxiety and hypertension in the throat. My throat has hypertension. <laughs> I bet there's a pill for that. Anyway, someone's um, working on one. Yeah, so they're they're saying yawning is actually a um, a very cool tool, a very cool thing to for your, for your brain. So yawn. Here, here's the advice at the end of the article. My advice is simple: yawn as many times a day as possible. When you wake up, when you're confronting a difficult problem problem at work, when you prepare to go to sleep, whenever you feel anger, anxiety, or stress, yawn before giving an important talk, yawn before taking a test. And yawn while you meditate or pray because it will intensify your spiritual experience. Um, I do do want to mention that um, one of his bases for for citing this is that dogs yawn before attacking. Olympic athletes yawn before performing. Fish yawn before they change activities. Evidence even exists that yawning helps individuals on military assignments perform their tasks with greater accuracy and ease. Indeed, yawning may be one of the most important mechanisms for regulating the survival-related behaviors in mammals. So... Um, there you go. When in doubt, yawn it <laughs> Okay. Um, our advisory activity for um, this week is something that I am entitling Pictures of Our World. And um, the idea here is to have, pictures, have students take pictures of their world, have the students narrow their, their, down their choices to one picture, and then the, the student can discuss why that picture is important. 
Um, and here's here's the way that this works. And you could do this a whole variety of ways. Either you could use a camera, you know, kind of check a camera out from the school if your school has cameras. Um, this might be a place where you let them pull out the <laughs> cell phone and share the picture. Although it would be better if they email it to you or something um, so you can get it up on a big screen. Um, obviously, you'd want to look at the picture first to make sure it's something that's appropriate. Um, but just talk to them about what pictures are and aren't appropriate and um, them knowing that the whole class is going to see it. The, the idea here is that you do several things. One is you get a glimpse into what kids think is important. Um, so you can learn a lot about your kids. You can also have discussions about what makes a good picture if, you're, um, if you have any photography at, at all. Um, and it's uh, just a chance for them to share, for them to get up in front of the class and talk a little bit. And it gives them a chance to get up in front of the class, which gives them those skills of getting up in front of the class and talking. And it's Mm -hmm. something that they can talk about because it's something that's important to them. Mm -hmm. So they're not just getting up there and trying to remember the three most important causes of the Civil War, but they're getting up there and they have a visual clue to go off of. So it's a, kind of a low-risk opportunity for them to get in front of the class and do some presentations. So that is called, that's something that I call Pictures of Our World. Feel free to steal. Cool. All right. And you've got something, um, you're still begging people about Mamsie? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. By the way, uh, if you are uh, – ha, ha, ha. There's another reason not to like Google Life. Um, if you are in Michigan, contact your local board member. Um, they are looking for regional coordinators to help them out with their their business of being a, a MAMSI board member. And it, there's nothing that says they can't have more than one. And the more help they get, the better off the association will be. So help out your Michigan Association of Middle School Educators and, uh, and volunteer to uh, be a regional coordinator today. And that would also probably apply to just about every state is that they're probably yep. all looking for um, people to be involved. Yep. Charter colleges. Yes. Interesting article I ran across. Marvin Alasky is proposing that um, states, if we have charter schools, why not charter <laughs> colleges and universities to promote a greater challenge and diversity of thinking in the universities that currently exist. Now, he's got other reasons for it as well. But I, th- I found it very interesting that a number of the reasons that we talked about um, changing and you know, what, what is the future of education going to look like, mm-hmm. he, prop- he puts in this article. And uh, he's proposing it for other reasons. I, I just thought it was very interesting that here's somebody who's talking about the same things we're talking about, one-to-one servicing, one-to-one education, more, more one-on-one attention to the student. Um, and they're talking about that at the college level. Now, we should say that Marvin Olasky is, uh, is the provost at Regents in New York City. I think it's New York. Okay. And, if, and if any of you, you know, are interested, I will get a bio on him for you, you know, and we'll, we'll let you, you know, investigate his background more fully. He's written several books. Uh, one is The Tragedy of American Compassion, which is a very interesting book on, uh, on poverty, if you're interested in poverty. And, and how that's handled here in the, in the United States. So I put a link to his editorial. Um, it's worth checking out some of the reasons for charter colleges. Imagine what you you know the challenges that state universities would have if they had a state chartered college right next door using current 
classrooms in that in that state university. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of ties in with Grown Up Digital by Dan Taps- Tapscott, which is uh, my current read right now. Um, and I've been working on this one for a little while. I've had to read just a little little bits at a time. And I've taken issue with some of the things that he's written because he seems to depend a lot upon anecdotal evidence of his kids. Now, I should say he has done apparently a lot of research. He's been involved with companies that have done a lot of research. Um, but I've, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting read. Um it is very thought-provoking as well as what does it mean that the kids who are growing up now have different skill sets and things are very, very different than they used to be. And I'm just getting into the part about education and how he thinks education should be and how it needs to change. And it's interesting um, in large part because one of the things he talks about is class size and how it needs to go down. <laughs> and here we are in a time when class sizes are rising. Going up. And yep. um, how we need to prioritize. But he says class size doesn't just need to go down. It needs to go down for a very specific reason. Um, I think every teacher would say amen to class sizes going down. But he's saying it needs to go down because th- what we're doing needs to fundamentally change. So it's an interesting read, uh, and um, I thought it was interesting that Rick Warmly cited Don Tapscott in his um, closing speech at NMSA, because um, he was the. That's the first time I've heard Tapscott cited in educational setting. Um, Tapscott is frequently cited in. Um, um, business kind of things because he wrote Wikonomic, Wikonomics mm. but um, so that's that's kind of interesting as, as well um, um, so that's a, that's a good book I'll share more with it as I get along with it um, kind of on the same vein there we have a couple of web spotlights um, one is students live in a digital world are students ready to are schools ready to join them um, and this is uh, a from the which I think is interesting in itself. It's from the National Education Association, and it starts with Tara Searles, ninth grade teacher, who is um, having their kids having her kids read Romeo and Juliet. Um, she didn't realize the extent of their enthusiasm until she pulled out an audio CD of actors performing the Shakespearean classic. Don't play the CD, Mrs. Searle, one of the, the students spoke up. We just want to read the play. <laughs> and um, they go on about how that's not something that you normally hear from ninth graders. But what she's done is she's used um, Ning to create a class-only social media group where students pose as characters in the play. They create profiles. They post updates and discussion forums. Um, posting them and posting in character got them more engaged, gave them the confidence to tackle the language. They even took a stab at writing couplets and shared them on the name. Um, so it's a different way of addressing the, the needs of the kids. And it's something that Tapscott talks about as well. 
in terms of, um, you know, getting kids involved. Um, so, and I liked it. It ends with, um, you know, so don't throw away your, your copies of To Kill a Mockingbird. Even the most fervent web evangelists believe there's still space for great books. But the bottom line remains, we can't stop there. Our students are living in a different world. Um, and, and I think that's kind of a theme through a lot of the things that are going on in education right now is students are living in a different world. Are we preparing them for them, for that world, and how can we do that? And I think one of the things we could do is to give them a fast pencil. Ooh, ooh, <laughs> fast pencil. I would like to see a fast pencil. I, 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 most of my kids don't have fast pencils. What, what, what is a fast pencil? This is your. This is yours. Turn your blogs into a book. <laughs> One of oh. them. <laughs> yeah, this is me. Sorry, I, I, I will. I'll interject here with this. There's a reason that for my distraction, I've gone from being a contributor to our show notes to a reader only of our show notes. No, I put this in last week thinking about it. Yeah. So you know what? What if you had? One of the things we saw at NMSA was a demonstration of EduBlogs and a demonstration of some other blogging devices that where kids were posting things to their websites. And one of the laments of librarians and, and educators around the world is, great, so kids are writing, but we don't have this body of writing for future generations or even for the kids later on in the school year. And as soon as the electrons go away, hey, all this writing goes away too. So Fast Pencil takes and turns your blog posts into a book, into a paper copy. And the blogs, the postings, you can then group them if you want and then turn them into chapters. It'll help you do that um, that whole book thing. Now, is there is there precedent for it? Well, one of the earliest publishing formats uh, in, in, in literature forms in American literature is taking other people's journals and diaries and turning them into books and having people read the lives of other people. And this is essentially a, a electronic version of that same thing. Uh, taking the kids' writing or your writing or anybody's writing on their, on their, on their blog, although that sounds rather interesting too. I can take all of Troy's blog posts and then turn them into a book which I sell. That, I, you know, suddenly I think I'm, well, imagine this. What if I took blog posts from a whole bunch of famous people and then turning, you know, turn them into a book using Fast Pencil? I, I haven't tried it and I wouldn't recommend it, but um, I imagine you could do that as well. But here's a way to put on paper in, in a coherent format, uh, all those posts, all those ideas, and all those thoughts that you've had, that you've put into a blog that would go away once you lose your account or the account's not paid or uh, you've um, moved on to something else and you really have no way to, other way to archive it by the, you know, except printing out in, in each individual post. You Turning it into a book using Fast Pencil might be a logical alternative for you. So... Here's another question for you. Whatever happened to Second Life? The BBC is questioning the current model of marketing in the virtual environment. A lot of shops and stores and, 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 and real-world brick-and-mortar operations adopted stores in Second Life and were selling things in Second Life. Well, a lot of those places have gone away for economic reasons, but also because anybody can create in, uh, in Second Life. And so the fashions were not exclusive, let's say. So... Even though Second Life is seeing an, a growth in membership, they're seeing a decline in the brick-and-mortar, the other types of, of membership or, or uh, online presence. 
So BBC is questioning the current model of marketing in a virtual environment. Maybe this is that what's happening in Second Life is turning into the way we're going to see things happen in other forms of other other facets of society. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, something that may be an indicator or something that comes up here in the future. Uh, Second Life is certainly a, um, an interesting model for um, what a, a reflection or a mirror of what's going on in, in society. Art reflects culture right, mm-hmm. in society, so this would be something to watch as well. Um, I'm learning all kinds of new things about Google Wave while you do that. <laughs> well, and you know, when you're learning, one of the best ways to learn is called spaced repetition. Ooh, that sounds interesting. And there is a really interesting program um, that I have to I have to tell you I haven't used a lot, but I, I watched the um, the webcast because he has some screencasts on how to use it. And if you're trying to learn um, something that you need to memorize, or you're trying to learn a foreign language, or something like something along those lines, you need to learn all the parts of uh, of the human body, for example. There is a program called Ankai, um, and Ankai is a spaced repetition system. It helps you remember things by intelligently scheduling flashcards, so you learn a lot of information with a minimum amount of effort. Um, and I look through it, it looks really interesting, and I could see where kids could use this to study for things because it encourages long-term memorization, long-term learning, I guess. Um, and I got to tell you, I thought a lot about this because the whole idea of memorizing things versus the deep learning mm-hmm. that we need. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's just a heck of a day, isn't it? <laughs> um, and and this is something that will schedule flashcards. You can create flashcards um, of anything you want to to remember, and it will schedule them so that it's a day. You learn it if you get it right today, and you can rank how whether it was easy, difficult, and then it shows you to you the next day. And then if you get it right, it waits six days to show it to you again. Oh, cool idea. And then if you get it right and say it's easy, it'll wait 19 days. And then so it's one of those things that will kind of automatically do for you. It looks very flexible. It's available for Mac, Linux. There's even an iPhone or iPod Touch version, which I thought was really interesting. Um. And um, even if you're on Windows, there's a a version for you there. So it looked really, really interesting. It looked like a way to maybe share with kids how you can learn things and share tools with the kid. And if there's something that you yourself wanted to learn, this looks like kind of a neat way to do it. Um, You know, you could spend just a little bit of time every day just kind of going through um, through your cards there and... It'll show you what you need to, to kind of learn. So you can check that out. Okay. Let's see here. Ooh. I'm going to talk fast. Okay. Um, Mark McLeod, which is appropriate because Mark McLeod talked fast <laughs> in this session. So NMSA, um, strategies that motivate students. Um, I'm going to note, first of all, that these are notes that I stole from Todd Williamson um, with his permission because he took hey. better notes than I did. Um, his were much more detailed. Um, again, he was on a netbook. I was on my iPhone. So the netbook is a much more efficient 
note-taking methodology. I also think that he's a little bit younger and more in tune with all this <laughs> Web 2 stuff. I think he did a better job than I did. Um, um, he meant to say Web X.0 stuff, Todd. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> web 2, Web 3, Web whatever. Um, and actually, it's not even a Web 2.0 thing no. at all. A Web 2.0 has nothing to do with it. I think he was better prepared and organized to do notes from the sessions is, is really what I mean. Sorry, Todd. Um, so let's see here. Um, and I got to say, I learned some things from the way that he did his notes. So when I go to uh, my next conference, if I ever get to go to another conference, <laughs> I'm going to look at it a little differently. Um, as to how it is that I attend it and what it is I, I do while I'm in, in the sessions themselves. Um, so he talked to, uh, there's a couple of things that I'm going to pull out of this. And there's a, there's going to be more notes on the website. I would encourage you to go to the website and check out um, Todd's notes. But a couple of things I'm going to pull out of it. Number one, he says, your personal life needs to be in order. The kids bring enough baggage. Kids need to be involved or they will drop out later. Um, what is the number one quality you want in your students? Those are things that you need to think about. But I think one thing is is that it's it's really important that your personal life be in order. Um, and you understand where you're coming from because, you know, in reality, lots of teachers have lots of things to deal with as well. And it's important that you really are conscious of that and cognitive of that. Um, and what and what it is you're bringing into the class. He talks a lot about the emotional bank account and how you need to make deposits on a regular basis so that when you do need to make an a withdrawal, that you're prepared for it and the kid is still prepared for it, the kid is still with you. Um, there are two important fears that kids um, deal with, fear of embarrassment and fear of failure. Um, and you've got to be on the lookout for those. Um, talks about a positive attitude. Talks about the biggest motivator is relationships. Can't say that enough. In, in middle school, that's something that we should have down pat. we got to constantly bring to the forefront, though, is how important relationships are. Um and sometimes we have to intentionally make deposits until it becomes a habit. Um, and he gives off some ways that you can make deposits in the student's emotional bank. Attend games. He says you don't have to be there long. You just have to be there long enough for the kid to see you be there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, give, the, give jobs in the classroom. Um, positive parent contacts. Discuss their interest. Praise. Recognize birthdays. Stickers rewards, food, and noticing things from other classrooms. Um, and that's for kids. And just, he also talked about adults. And it's interesting because number one is food. <laughs> number two is show up for significant events. Three is listen. Four rewards. Five, knowing who the kids are. And six, recognition. Hmm. Um and he went through he went through a whole bunch of stuff. He went through um, uh, calling on kids and how it is that you can call on kids to keep everybody involved. He talked about choral responses. He talked about signal response. Um, just talked about a whole variety of things. 
um, and you can check out the notes for for him. He is also a NMSA featured speaker, so mm-hmm. if you want to bring him to your school district, he's very dynamic and um, has a, a lot going on. So um, he was certainly um, certainly entertaining. Got a lot of information out of it. Um, and it's one of those things that you, you kind of, you left refreshed, but you also, um, man, he has a lot of energy and he talks about his personal experience. So, you know, go from there. Okay. Um, and <laughs> you went to Ross Burkhart's. I did. Um, Ross Burkhart is a, uh, I believe, a past president of NMSA, uh, teacher uh, from uh, uh, New York, as I recall, and uh, has been, he's written several books um, and is, is a consistently a conference speaker at NMSA. And he did a session on writing for real reasons. I've done s- something similar to this one before. Uh, a couple of years ago, he did two back-to-back. I caught the second half of his back-to-back, and I really wish I'd caught the first half of his back-to-back. Uh, really well done. The whole idea being that uh, kids need an audience, and in the in that vein, that ties right in with a whole lot of you know um, reasons why we should have blogs, reasons why we should have wikis, reasons why we should have Edmodo, and using it in classrooms. Uh, his idea is that you, as a teacher, first of all, model the writing, but then you create an audience immediately. For example, um, take out a sheet of paper and you 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 quick model a, a letter of um, compliment to another teacher in the building, fold it up, put it in an envelope, give it to the, the student, say, would you deliver this right now? So it has immediacy, and the kids see that, they've seen the letter, they've heard the letter, boom, it's off it goes. And then you say, all right, now, how, you know, take, now you take and lead into the assignment. Um, you've got three people, write three people down on a, on a, on a list or on a piece of paper that have influenced you or impacted you. Now pick one of those and write a letter to one of them. And then envelopes, stamps, boom, off they go. You can also do it like uh, with a teacher, for example, eighth graders. One teacher in the building who's influenced you or impacted you in your years here at, uh, at, at whatever middle school. And then they write a letter to that teacher, and then you, at the end of the year, go and hand those letters to those teachers as a letter of appreciation or acknowledgement. And it brings it home, and it makes it real, and it makes it relevant, which are, are Three words that seem to be in the in the national conversation about middle schools, which is rigor, relevance, and relationships. rigor, relevance, and yeah, relationships. relationships. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're coming up on the holiday season, and one of the things you talked about was a holiday memory piece. And you do it usually before the the Friday, Monday before uh, the Friday before Christmas break, uh, and you say things like, "Kids, I'm going to read you something, and I'm going to ask you some questions." And then there's usually no questions. And then he talks about the Christmas Eve exchange, which is a story from his his life about his dad who made him run all over the house to get this special gift that his dad had gotten just for him. And um, and the story and the laughter that goes on 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 with it. Um, and then talk about okay, kids, we've got a holiday coming up. And show a list of holidays. On Friday this week, you're going to share one of your holiday memories. And then he said, there was, you know, the usual question is, yeah, well, what about your Jehovah's Witness kids? And he says, let your kids talk about Jehovah's Witness, being a Jehovah's Witness and not celebrating holidays. Because for a lot of these kids, that's a cultural impact. And then talk about why they don't. 
And that's just as legit as talking about a holiday memory, which I thought was interesting. I ran across uh, last week. Um, one of my Joe's Witness kids was running up and down the hallways uh, announcing that his birthday was next week, and he was tickled to death. <laughs> well, okay then. <laughs> um, we'll celebrate it with you. Um, they can't fail because they can pick from any memory. It's not hard to write from. And then they just start talking about it and then start going through and, talk, and, and revising it and, and making it, pulling out that story and, and developing and making it better. And then, you know, tucking it away and using it as a, as a gift to themselves later on at the, uh, at the end of the school year. Um, something else called the gift of writing. Identify the three people important to you. Briefly describe them. Share a model of what it looks like. He has, he has a story called Tears on the Turnpike, talking about leaving for the Peace Corps. He graduated from college and then immediately went for training off to the Peace Corps and then spent a couple years in the Peace Corps. And how uh, one of his um, sisters or his sister um, started shedding tears because she was, you know, he wasn't going to be around for, him, for her to beat up on um, now that he was going to go away. And um, But talking about the experience about his, uh, his sister having those tears on the on the way to dropping off the airport to go into the Peace Corps. Um, so picking one person, making them part of the story, and then giving that gift of writing, which is really a, essentially an, another appreciation piece, or including them in the story, you know, talking about that other person rather than talking about themselves, even though that they have a connection, and then giving that piece of writing to that person as a gift. And then something that I have done in the past that is very cool is the letter to self, where they write about different topics about themselves. Of course, narcissism runs supreme in middle schools and middle school kids. Well, the letter to self feeds on that and gives them that motivation to write. And they write a letter to themselves. Where do they think they're going to be in, in four, five, six years from now? And then write a letter to themselves from the past. And then their senior year, deliver that letter and, and have them look at each at, at, at reflect upon themselves four years in the past or five years in the past or six years in the past. And it turns out to be a very nice memory piece. Uh, and also would, would, would very nicely uh, address the, uh, the glickies about creating writers who want to write, motivating them to write. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, that was um, Ross Burkhart's uh, Writing for Real Reasons. He's got several books on the topic. As a matter of fact, Writing for Real Reasons, I think, is one of the titles of his book. I would highly recommend picking it up and putting it in your library. Um, also, he's, he's, he's planning another book, and it's based on the experience of middle school kids. And I'm very eager to see where he goes with this. Now, this book is in the very early stages. He's just talking with eighth graders now. I, I would love to be a fly on that wall when those emails come in and find out what those kids are saying about middle school and their middle mm-hmm. school experiences, especially in this day and age when everything is up in the air. And, and I'm going to take this off track just for a second, but there's a huge conversation on Middle Talk right now about middle schools, and there seems to be a dichotomy of thought. A lot of the people on Middle, on middle Talk are committed to a middle school concept, but they work for people who aren't. And as a result, think changes are being made in districts where, hey, we're going to go back to a junior high model because, hey, that's cheaper, not necessarily mm-hmm. because that's what's best for kids. And so you're seeing a dichotomy of, well, why isn't your school district doing that? Well, because the people at the top don't believe in the middle school concept and the Ontarian philosophy. And there's this, this, there's a back and forth going on in middle talk right now. Um, and I think that seems to be the disjunct in that it comes down to what one believes. And it will be really interesting to see what comes out of these kids writing to Ross about their experience as a lot of them are going to be transitioning from middle school to a junior high concept. Mm-hmm. And, and I would love to hear what they say. 
So, I want, I, Mr. Burkhardt, if you're listening, I would please. I will help you write this book. I will. I will. I will copy edit. I will do. Not that I'm a very good copy editor, but I. I, I would love to be on this. So, um, look for that coming out in the next couple of years. I would imagine it's, it's it's really right now in the research phase, and then of course he'll be doing his writing and then looking for a publisher. I can't publish it. I'm not. My pockets aren't. And and if Ross did want to get in touch with you, oh, he should contact us at middleschooleducators at gmail dot com. He should make a post over at Middle School Matters, which we've had a few, and um, he can find us MS Matters on Twitter. Of course, mm-hmm. both of us are on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, and um, well, you know what? We've had even people find us with snail mail. Yes, and that's fascinating. And and so, but we we enjoy all forms of communication. So please give us some feedback. Um, talk to us. We love talking with you guys. We mm-hmm. love it when we hear back from you guys. So, um, matter of fact, I was looking for a couple pieces of email that we got, I think, a couple weeks ago. And um, we'll probably have to fit those into the next show. Well, I know we'll have to fit those in the next show because we're out of time. We are. Um, and with that, this is Middle School Matters for middle school educators who care. 